In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. Might solve a mystery or rewrite history. This is the story we needed to write as we kept out of sight for no I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Well, today's guest has represented Disney beauty and talent from the Broadway stage in New York to the shimmering seas of Disney Cruise Line. I'm delighted to bring on singer, actress, and educator Jennifer Schrader-Williams, who has played Babette and Belle for Disney Theatricals Beauty and the Beast and currently teaches at William Peace University. We'll talk all about Jennifer's career, favorite moments during a life that is likely far from porn provincial. Uh, welcome, my friend, Jennifer, to Notably Disney. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm just delighted that you asked me. I feel honored to be on your podcast. Well, I'd love for listeners to learn a little bit more about your roots. Could you maybe share about your earliest memories around music or musical theater? What what drew you into that space in terms of appreciation of the arts? I would say it started pretty young. I, you know, my first memories would be of like a lot of people, I think maybe watching The Sound of Music at home. My mom, it was one of her favorite shows. So we watched the film a lot. And um, <laughs> kind of a funny story. I used to, um, after watching The Sound of Music, I would take my mom's half slips and put them over my head like a habit. And I would, and I told my parents that I wanted to be a nun because, and we weren't Catholic. So they found this quite surprising, but I told them I wanted to be a nun and they were, they just couldn't figure it out. And I, I wanted to be a nun because I thought all nuns did all day long was sing. So my first, <laughs> so singing was, um, was related to the sound of music for me at first. Uh, see, I would have thought Sister Act based on that reference, but <laughs> <laughs> what what about Sound of Music resonated with you so much? Oh, well, just, I mean, how captivating Julie Andrews is and was in that role and just the music, the story, um, everything from there being children in the show 
as well, because I was a child at the time. So learning all of Maria's songs, but then uh, identifying that there were kids in the show and then learning that they were actors, you know, and that that was something that kids could do. So that was that was really um, something that I I honed in on. So were you performing any in any school shows growing up? Um, I started in um, uh, community theater. I had a lot of energy as a kid and my parents wanted to do something with that. So they um, took me to see two community theater productions and then they asked me which one I liked the best and they got me classes for Christmas um, at the theater at the production that I liked the best. It was at the Toledo Repertoire Theater in Toledo, Ohio. And I took classes there um, from the time I was about seven on through uh, maybe middle school, I think. I, st- I was at that theater. So were you performing in shows as well in addition to yes. taking classes? Yeah. Yes, I was taking, I was in shows there um, at, you'd have to, after, after the class. And it's not like now a lot of the, theater classes like my one of my daughters is in you everyone is in the show um if you sign up for the class everyone does a sh- everyone it's they're going to do a show at the end and everyone is automatically in the show it wasn't like that kind of back in the day um every you'd audition but not everyone would get in and um so that was kind of nerve-wracking and um but I was fortunate enough that I was I was cast quite frequently what were some of your favorite roles? <laughs> um, I would say one of my, you know, I, I'm not going to call it a favorite, but it's something that was a little bit of a, it's a big, it's a very strong memory. Um, I was in the Wizard of Oz and I was, I auditioned, of course, as all girls do for Dorothy. And I thought for sure Uh, maybe it was my time. And when I got the call from the director, because back then they would call you, it wasn't about an email or an agent, the director themselves called and said, we'd love to offer you the role of Toto. (laughs) Oh, so you have to channel whole other species. That's something, Jennifer. (laughs) So I, I, I was like, whoa, why wasn't I Dorothy? And they're like, well, it's gone another way, but we thought you were, we want you to be in one of the leading roles. We want you to be on stage whenever Dorothy's there. So yes, I got to be Toto and some of the pictures are, they still are, they're around somewhere. And my, um, I got plenty of ribbing from my family. And to this day, when the Wizard of Oz is on, frequently I will get text messages from my brother and sister saying, well, you're on TV tonight. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you ever, were you ever in another production of Wizard of Oz or was that your one and only shot? You know what? That was my one and only shot. And, um, but I, I did, I did a one woman show. Um, actually that's, that's, that's not true. It was two people. There was two of us in it. We, I did a cabaret with, um, a gentleman and, um, in the show I put, um, over the rainbow in the show so i got my i got my turn at at singing dorothy as an adult 
it makes me think of there's some great skits. I'm not sure if you've ever watched them. Do you remember the show Mad TV on Fox? It was kind of like Saturday Night Live. Yes. They had some great spoofs of Wizard of Oz that um, <laughs> if you haven't seen them or haven't seen them recently, they're they're absolute gems. So I'll have to go and check those out. So how long were you in this community theater for? You said until middle school? Yes, I was in that till, till um, I would say through through um through elementary school and then i um i did my first professional show when i was i think i was 11 um there's a dinner theater an equity dinner theater in toledo at the time i don't think it's there any longer it was westgate dinner theater and they were doing annie and um i auditioned for annie and um and i was cast i was not cast as annie but i was one of the orphans i was orphan kate and um and i did that show for nine months um it was quite a long run you know for a sixth grader um and i would miss school every other wednesday for matinees because it was double cast because i think that you probably probably couldn't have children doing eight shows a week um for labor laws so the it was double cast and um i think i was I was in the blue cast there was the white cast and the blue cast and that was very exciting it was very exciting to be because so i got to work with actors from new york and directors from new york and be around other kids that had the same interests that i had so it sounds like that really required a good deal of commitment from a very young age what how did you navigate that since you were still in, in your formative years as a, as a preteen? You know, it was a ball. I, I didn't, I didn't have to, I looked forward to the show every single, every single night or I did four shows a week. I can even remember on the off nights being like, Oh, I wish I was there. So it was, it was just fun. It was, I was in my happy place when I was at the theater. What skills did you learn during that period where you're, again, you're mentioning handling several shows a week for nine months? Wow. Yes. Um, I did have to learn how to um, keep a performance fresh and how to see, you know, um, also how to how to act around adults. You know, these it was we were little kids. And these adults were at work. We were having a ball and it was fun. And, and as the adults were having a good time as well. But um, how to uh, socially be around adults and how to perform with adults. And um, yeah, keeping a performance fresh at a young age. That was in and, and um, not getting bored with it. And always making it seem like it's the first time you're doing it each time. And what, what happened after that point, once your, your nine months concluded? After my nine months concluded, oh, we, I cried my eyes out when it, when it ended. Um, then I went on to do some more community theater and, and um, theater in high school. Oh, yes, I just remembered something. Go that for it. Sound, of music, sound of Music came back round in my, my senior year of high school. Um, they did Sound of Music at my high school and I got to play Maria. I was not a dog. Not that there was a dog that I can recall in Sound of Music. In the uncut version, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, but I got to play Maria in Sound of Music. And it, the, I remember not needing at uh, starting rehearsals and already like I had the whole score memorized. So it was just 
that was that was a little that was a dream come true at a young age for me getting to do that that was that was amazing especially as a senior to be the last thing I did in high school I imagine you were probably well positioned to having had that those formative experiences performing in shows consistently for months on end yes yes so were there any professional experiences outside of um outside of your time um with Annie at 11 during you know, your yeah, youth go ahead there were there were not but but I did have um I auditioned for other shows at that dinner theater and um was called back but I never I I was not cast and it was quite heartbreaking and I remember um uh, I learned and that's that's where I really learned how much I wanted to do theater is because after it I remember coming out to the the parking lot with my mom and we found out that this is also different we found out there and then if we were cast or not they they put the the cast together and they said this is our cast and if you weren't up on the stage you weren't in it um and I remember just being heartbroken and coming out and crying to my mom and she she I'm the only one in my family that um, is in the arts and or in theater. And she said, I don't think this is something you should do because you're so upset. And I, that just made me want to do it even more. I wanted to try harder the next time. Um, and I couldn't even imagine not doing it. Um, so I learned about rejection at a young age and that it doesn't have, and that it doesn't necessarily have to do with you personally. You know, it has to do with you know, whether you, you fit the role or whether you fit in the director's vision of the show. I was talking with someone about this yesterday, just the notion of resilience being such a universal trait and often stemming from disappointments and things not going the way you intend on. It sounds like it really, at least what I'm hearing is that it enabled you to feel even more tenacious to to still do your best, whatever the setting was. It did. And I, and like I said, it really made me realize how passionate I was about it because if I wouldn't, I would have, I would have quit. I would have, because it was so heartbreaking um, to, to not be cast. Um, but yeah, your resilience, that's, that's the a big word for actors. We need to, you need to be resilient. And what was your path after high school, after you were Maria? I, um, I auditioned for a lot of programs, a lot of um, musical theater programs um, around the country. And I got into Boston Conservatory, which was um, very exciting. They took 12 boys and 12 girls, um, you know, female uh, at the time. Um, so I did not, being from, I was born in Toledo, but I lived, we moved into Michigan. I was from a little teeny town, little town um, called Lambertville, Michigan, itty bitty, one stoplight. So when I got into Boston Conservatory, I was over the moon. And I thought for sure when I got there that I was going to be the worst person there. So I, I prepared myself, you know, you're from Nowheresville. You don't really know much. You've done, yes, theater growing up, but I just assumed that everyone there was going to be 10 times better than me and I was going to have to work twice as hard. I was just prepared for that. But when I, that I, once I was accepted there, that I was probably going to be the low man on the totem pole. 
Well, the fact that you broke out into song for two seconds means that you're inviting yourself to to <laughs> sing more later. So that's on you now, Jennifer. You oh, open no. the floodgate there. <laughs> what was tell me about what you most got out of your time at the Boston Conservatory? Oh wow, it was um, it was such an incredible experience. Um, I think going away to college for everyone is you know it's life changing, um, but moving to a big city. And the, the school is right in the city. Um, so my campus was Boston. Um, I had class every day from eight to six, um, Monday through Friday. So when people would say, oh, I don't have classes on Fridays or I, I don't have class until 11, you know, every day we went from eight to six um, and 18 credit hours each year. Um, and some, some classes uh, were I think it was eight, 18 classes, not 18 credit hours, 18 classes. Some like ballet was only half a credit. So this is why I had so many, we had so many classes. Some of our dance classes were half a credit. Um, but we went, it was just very, very rigorous um, work ethic. I learned, a, I, I had a pretty good work ethic going in, but also but there I learned to, um, to, uh, we were just always, always learning new scenes, learning new combinations, having new scene partners, voice lessons. Um, uh, yeah, I was taught by some fantastic um, instructors there. And also with our, you know, there were only 400 students at the time at the conservatory and just 24 in my graduating class. So we got very close. Um, so I, I left there with an excellent education and also some lifelong friends. What were you doing during the summertime? Were you in classes then as well? No, um, I was very fortunate. I performed every summer. Um, after my freshman year, I performed at Cedar Point in Ohio, Roller Coaster Kingdom um, in Ohio, but I performed in a show there. And then let's see, after my sophomore year, I worked at um, Paramount's King's Dominion, singing in a show there in Virginia. And then my junior year, I moved away from the theme parks and I did summer stock. Um, I worked at Connecticut Rep, did Anything Goes, and oh gosh, what was the other show there? Two shows there. Oh, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And then I spent the second half of the summer in New Bedford, Massachusetts, um, playing Christine in Cobit Yeston's Phantom. And that was very exciting for me to do that um, during that summer. Wow. So it really sounds like each year afforded different distinct opportunities in different types of settings as well. Yeah, I kind of moved up each summer from the smaller, Cedar Point was small, King's Dominion was larger, and then I went into, I was an ensemble in the first two shows in Connecticut, and then played the leading role um, in Phantom, um, so it, it kind of progressively got a little more advanced. Wow. How are those opportunities developing? Were they by virtue of, like, were, were you auditioning for these roles, or tell me about what that was like at the time? That was one of the great things about going to school in Boston is um, a lot of tours. And um, I went to um, the the theme parks would come go on tours, audition tours. And because I was in the big city, um, 
they would always stop in Boston. So I got to audition there. Um, and the summer stock, I went to NETC, the Northeastern Theater Conference, and auditioned there. Um, and that's how I was cast in the, uh, the summer stock um, jobs. Now, I'm curious, because I guess we haven't explored this so far. We've talked about all of these experiences being based in musical theater. Was that specifically the lane that you wanted to pursue? Or were you thinking about other ways of channeling your love of acting and singing? No, just just Broadway. That was that was the dream. Um, Musical theater was what I had done since I was itty bitty. And uh, that's really all I ever thought about. I didn't think about doing TV film um or anything else just just musical theater did you have the opportunity to see any broadway shows growing up i saw my first broadway show um one of my friends was going uh it was a summer gosh we were i was in high school and we went um looking at colleges her parents were going to look at a lot of schools in the northeast one of my best friends and she invited me to go with with them on the trip and i got to see boston conservatory on that trip and we went to New York and my first Broadway show was Gypsy, um, starring Tyne Daly. Um, so that was very, that was exciting. She was fantastic in the show. Um, that was my first Broadway show. I think I was, I was a junior in high school. And then I went um, with my family, my mother and I went um, later that year and um, saw Anything Goes at Lincoln Center with Patti LuPone. So that was fantastic to see an icon like that. That was amazing. Yeah. M- multiple heavyweights in that field yes, and, and yes. a concentrated period, right? Mm-hmm. I just went to Lincoln Center for the first time this past summer, not the main stage, but one of the smaller stages. And it was cool to to be in that venue after hearing about it for, for so long. We saw a production of Camelot. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So just a beautiful venue. Mm-hmm. So tell me what, what unfolded once your time at Boston Conservatory came to a close. Um. I had uh, auditioned for Walt Disney World to perform at Walt Disney World during my senior year. And I um, was cast in two shows at the Magic Kingdom. So right after, right after graduation, the day after graduation, I headed down to Florida to work at Walt Disney World. So that was very exciting. I was thrilled to go down to Florida and um, I, I didn't, I'm trying to think if I had ever been to the Magic Kingdom. We didn't go as a family. Um, I had never been. I had never been until I went and worked there. And one of the amazing things about working there is I could go into any park at any time. If, we, at the, if I wanted to go to Mexico to have uh, Mexican food for dinner at Epcot, we would do that. My roommate and I, we just, she was the little mermaid um, in the little mermaid show. <laughs> Her name was Brittany and she was the little mermaid. And I was in the hoop de doo review at Fort Wilderness playing Miss Flora Long. And, and it was in a show at the Magic Kingdom as well. What was the Magic Kingdom show? The Magic Kingdom show. I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Oh, it was called Mickey Starland. Mickey Starland isn't there any longer, but there used to be Mickey Starland. And it was in a show and Mickey, it was the Mickey Starland show. 
And I was like the only person in the show. And it was me and Minnie and Mickey and Goofy. And it was singing and dancing. Um, but I was the only one that wasn't in costume. Wow. So just were, were, were you in both of these uh, performances at the same time? Or were they at yeah, different stages? I did. Yeah, Yes, I did. I think I was the three-day Flora and like the two-day CJ was my character's name um, in in the Magic Kingdom. So I would bounce back and forth between the two shows. Wow. And and Hoop-dee-doo was, was uh, at <laughs> night. So that's also a different vibe where people are going to like enjoy their meal, but also be entertained. So you know about the Hoop-dee-doo review. I know everything. I may not have experienced it, but I know of it. And I also know Mickey Starland was the origins of what ultimately became uh, Mickey's Toontown Fair later in the 90s. But mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. Tell me about Hoop-dee-doo. What was that Hoop -dee -doo. like? Hoop-dee-doo. Oh, my goodness. Well, I played an ingenue. Um, and I wore this yellow, gingham, yellow and white gingham dress. Um, and I, I was like this, the sweet young thing in the show. And I, there was like the character, there were three, three, um, females and, um, three males. And it was like the song and dance couple. And then the, the kind of rough and tough kind of tomboy, sassy, um, girl. And then there was the lovely Miss Flora Long and, and her leading man. Um, I can't really remember so much about the plot. What we were doing i think we were putting on a vaudeville show something like that yes and i just sang the pretty songs and had jim my my boyfriend in the show yeah we sang um shenandoah i got to sing some pretty stuff in, in the song in the show um which i always wanted to be more of a a character -y actor but i was always cast i was never cast so much as a character i was more i always played an ingenue I have to wonder and ask if there are any recordings of you performing in either of these roles. Oh, somewhere out there, there might be. <laughs> I think I would just die if I saw them. <laughs> now I have to ask, um, like, to see if I can uncover it. Like, what, what year or years was this, roughly? What year um, would have been 90. Five, right after graduation. Yep, 95. 95. So okay. you're going to dig that up, aren't you? Oh, I'm going to do my best and see if I can go back oh, to you. That would be fun. So <laughs> and were you living on Walt Disney World property or nearby? No, or I had an apartment. It was, it was off property. Hmm. But it sounds like you got to go into the parks a lot. All the time. That was the time where there was Pleasure Island. I don't know if you knew about Yes, I'm sure all things Disney. You knew about Pleasure Island. It was like the disco type club theme park. There's the 70s area and then the pop rock area and all the different clubs. So we would go and do that a lot after work. We'd go to Pleasure Island. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. Living at, living at Disney World. I mean, how much more fun can that be? I graduated college and people say, what are you doing? I say, I'm going to Disney World. You know, like at the time there was that campaign. It was a commercial where everybody said, what are you doing? I'm going to Disney World. Well, it's such a vibrant time for the resort as well, because 96 was the 25th anniversary. So there was obviously a lot of increased attention on all the excitement happening at the parks. And what, um, so what 
did you most enjoy about being in the theme park space uh, by virtue of Mickey Starland or in more of the resort hotel space uh, by virtue of hoop doo It truly, you know, just to say it, it's the happiest place on earth and the employees are all very happy. It's a wonderful place to work. Um, and it was, it's also, it was so, um, the, the professionalism was top notch. Everything was all, was always taken care of. And um, everyone working there was very skilled from stage management to all of the technicians and the, the performers and everybody cared about what they were doing and were there to have a good time. You were there to have a good time. You know, actors get into the business because they love it. So you're with people who are doing something that's fun for people who are there to have fun, who are on vacation. So the energy was, is just, it's wonderful. It was very, very positive. So it was, it was a really happy place to work. It was great. And well, so you mentioned you were in these roles in 1995. What, what immediately followed this period? Immediately after that, I worked on um, uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, singing and dancing. Um, I did cruise ships for a short time, well, for, for about a year. I did a contract with Royal Caribbean um, where it was just a Caribbean run, which was a blast. I was um, just a feature vocalist uh, in their shows. And then I worked on Silver Seas Cruise Line and did a world cruise, which was amazing to get to do a world itinerary um, at that time in my life, traveling, being in a new country every day. And I was the lead vocalist on the ship. So that was exciting. Um, so I was at sea for, I was at sea for uh, about a year, but the whole time I was out, I was kind of itching to get to New York because I still hadn't, I graduated and worked at Disney. And then while I was in Florida, got hired by a cruise ship out of Florida. So I still had not lived in New York yet. I imagine your next step was perhaps New York or no. It was, yes. It was. The ship in New York. Um, we actually ported in New York. It was the end of my contract. And uh, I got off the ship in New York and moved to the city. It was super exciting. And that was part of the cruise ship was saving money to move to the city. Because living on the ship, you don't have expenses. I was going to say, I know so many folks who have worked for Disney Cruise Line or other uh other operations and, and indicated how it is so beneficial toward that end in terms of, you know, your food, your housing, everything's basically covered through having that lifestyle. Well, and it's a, especially at that time in my life, it was perfect because I wanted to move to the city. I was out of just graduating college. I didn't have any money. So, you know, I worked at Disney and I saved some money there, but then going on the ships and not having any expenses, I was able to save my salary. And that's, that's how I moved to New York. So what happens when uh, a young individual with big dreams and big talent finally arrives in the Big Apple for big opportunities? Well, you get a job as a hostess. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of that kind of adds up, right? That's the traditional story. Yes, I will say I've never waited tables. I'm going to knock wood because you know never say never. Um, I've never waited tables, but I did work in a restaurant. I worked in a in a restaurant. Um, for a short time. Um, I was, I'll say I was very fortunate in my career. I did not have to work many survival jobs right after I was there probably 
maybe three or four months and I booked um, the national tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, I played the narrator, which was a dream role of mine. In college, um, my friends and I, we would sing it all the time. I had that role memorized. And my one of my very best friends was cast as Joseph, Joe Mahoda, um, who is now a, an agent with CAA. He uh, was Joseph, we were best buds, and I was the narrator. So there was a lot of shenanigans going on there. Um, but that was a dream role. Fully sung score, Andrew Lloyd Webber music. I mean, it doesn't get better than that for a singer. And you're familiar with Andrew Lloyd Webber's work by virtue of your time with Phantom earlier in your career, correct? Um, I did the Cope at Yeston Phantom. Oh, a different version. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, a different version. Yeah, because it was still on Broadway. It had not been. Gotcha. Did in summer stock at the time. Yeah, um, but very familiar with with Andrew Lloyd Webber's with his music. Interesting. I, if if my timing is right, this would have been. Uh, is this around the time when uh, Donny Osmond got a lot of attention for his? Yes, work with I Joseph. I was in the show after Donnie. Um, I started one tour. It was after that tour closed and a tour was set, a, a new one was sent out. And then, oh, here's a Disney connection. Um, Pittsburgh Civic Flight Opera Company. This was, it's, I'll, I'll get to it. It doesn't seem like it's saying Pittsburgh Civic Flight Opera. They put out a tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat after the tour I was on closed. And Jody Benson starred as the narrator in that show. And when Jody went on vacation, I would come out and do the narrator. So I was her, I was the vacation narrator. Whenever she would miss or go on trips or take time off, I would come out and, and replace her in the show, which was pretty darn cool. Yeah, I mean, Ariel and Belle ultimately are connected in, in so many ways. We we need to explore. Did you actually get to meet Jody at any point? Yes, or? yes, I did. Because some I was I had a what's called a put in um, rehearsal with her there. Oh, so so nice. And her husband was in the show as well. His name is escaping me right now. Oh, it's been a long time, but she was a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. See, I was just watching her perform at a on uh not I wasn't there but um online at a Disney event and you know she's been playing Ariel now for what 35 plus years but she still has such effervescence and an appreciation just seems very genuine oh yeah yeah not a bad gig huh no no I, I was there actually when she got her Disney Legend Award back in 2011. They had it at the Disney D23 Expo convention and Jody and some of the other Disney princess voices obtained the award and she was very tearful and excited, of course. So that's so awesome that you got to be there. It was a good year to be there. Like she got it. So did um, Paige, o Paige O'Hara. Oh, hmm. Someone, someone who will come up uh, again, some other folks too. So Wow. So, okay. So you were, you're the narrator and Joseph on the national tour. So you were traveling all around the country, I take it? Yes. I did that tour for a long time. Uh, I think I did that for 18 months. Wow. Yeah, that was, and I, I learned a lot on that. That was a, that's where I really learned to take care of my voice. Uh, singing that role eight times a week and on a bus and truck, it was, it was serious. Um, 
and I learned how to conserve and stay healthy. Um, and also had a, had a ball. It's such a fun show, such an up show, a happy show. Um, those are always a great for if you're doing a long run show to be in a show that's happy. It makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, it sounds like you're just constantly traveling by virtue of your world cruise earlier and then this national tour for 18 months. How did yeah. you maintain staying connected with your loved ones or other important people in your life? Phone calls was the, at that time was the only, was, was the only thing we didn't, this was BC at some, some of it was BC before cell phones. Um, uh, but you know what? The cast became, became my family. So I would keep in touch with loved ones on the phone, but was really immersed in, in that world. And I continued to travel too. After Joseph, um, I did the national tour of Annie and then um, national tour of Sunset Boulevard. Um, so I was on the road traveling for, I was traveling for a very long time. Which wow. leads, leads up to when Disney came into my life. How it's did kind of, how how and when did the mouse call? Well, it's kind of a funny story because I was on tour with Sunset Boulevard and we were playing, I think it was Rahway, New Jersey, and it's close close enough to New York that you could come into the city. So on my day off, I went into the city and I was visiting friends, and um, I got a call from my agent um, saying, "Jen, are you in the city? I know you're." Your tour is close by. I said, yes, I am. And she said, can you do me a favor? I was like, okay. She said, I promised Disney theatrical that I was going to have an actress at the audition for uh, Beauty and the Beast. And she can't make it. Can you, will you please, please, please go over there? And uh, this was for the role of Babette. Now, I had never seen Beauty and the Beast and I happened to have a black dress with me um, that was long, kind of a long, tight black dress. And I hadn't seen the show, so I had no idea that this was the perfect thing to wear to a bed audition. And I went in, I sang 16 bars because I had some, I have my book with me. You know, I always have my book with me, my book, meaning my binder of music. Um, sang 16 bars. I read two scenes. And was out. I was like, okay, did her that favor. I'm out the door. And a half an hour later, my agent called and said, you just booked this, the national tour of Beauty and the Beast. I couldn't believe it. I, I was not thinking about Beauty and the Beast. I had never seen Beauty and the Beast. And she said, we need to let them know because it, it's starting soon. And I said, well, Michelle, I've never seen, I've, I've never seen Beauty. And I've been on the road for four years. I don't want to go on another tour. Um, she said, well, let me see if we can arrange for you to see the show tonight. Cause you're off. So they got, uh, Disney gave me a ticket to see the show. It was when it was at the palace and I went and I sat and I was amazed and I was moved. I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. Um, <laughs> and after seeing it, I was absolutely thrilled that I'd been cast in the show. 
Oh, that's pretty remarkable, but it also illustrates that you're the right person with the right talent. I was, you know, it's something about being in the right place at the right time. That was, there was, there was fate, I think. I think it was fate. There's, or some really good karma happening. So I was not looking to go out on, on tour again. Um, but I, I was super, super excited to be part of Disney Theatrical. I was, I was very, very excited to go on the road with, with, with beauty. Now I have to ask, had you seen Beating the Beast, the film? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I knew the story and I knew the music, but I just hadn't seen, um, hadn't seen the Broadway show. And what was unique was at, you know, in the original theatrical, uh, the original film version, I should say, Beating the Beast, Babette doesn't have a singing role. It's not until they, they added the human again sequence. And I don't even know mm -hmm. if she sings in that, but the, you know, she really takes center stage on, on the physical stage. So kind of a unique character in that sense. Yes. And um, I remember in rehearsal, Linda Wolverton, who wrote the book was, was there um, at our rehearsals and she came up and talked to me about Babette and she said, I'll never forget this. She said, I wrote Babette. <laughs> Babette's for the daddies that come to the show. <laughs> she said, so Babette, she said, just because uh, Babette was very, she's a French maid, you know, and had a pretty sexy costume. Um, so that was, that was really funny for her to tell me that. It was like, okay, it's all right to uh, lean into that a little bit. That's that awesome. Faithful relationship with Lumiere. And remind me how I haven't seen the stage version of Being the Beast in quite a while. How how present is Babette in in some of the sequences? She's in um uh any time that um Madame and she was in a lot of the castle scenes and had her own had her own castle scenes with um with Lumiere. Um and she also you know, has a very human aspect to her because she um, as, as comedic um, as the role was and to be, you know, have that little sex appeal thing happening, um, that flavor. She, it was very real that she wanted to be human again so that she could be with Lumiere, so that she could, you know, they could resume their relationship and there was heart there as well because she was very there's a moment where it's funny when she has a little breakdown and has feathers that she ends up sneezing into her feathers and spitting them all over the place but then she cries and she said this is terrible look what's happening to me so even all of the all of the characters that are written are so well written because they're they they do have their you know the, the comedic aspect but they every one of them has heart every one of them Oh, it's a beautiful score. The songs obviously are incredible. Um, a mix of, you know, Howard Ashman songs and also Tim Rice and of course Alan Menken as the, the through line. How long were you on the national tour for? I was on the national tour for a year. Year, okay. Mm -hmm. And um I well, I was out there, yeah, it was a year contract and I had um, told you that I had only sung 16 bars of music for the production team. And it was a real belty piece, um, like, like uh, different from, different from Bell. And, um, 
and also a really kind of uh, vampy, vampy little song that I sang a la Babette. Um, so no one had ever thought of me as Belle, and myself included for a long time. But the longer I was out there and the more I heard the score, I just was in love with that role. And I, I thought, you know, I would love to do this. And I remember we were in San Francisco. It was about the last month that I was on tour. And the entire production team came to San Francisco. They would come out every once in a while. Um, the associate director would come out and keep the show clean. But the whole production team came to um, San Francisco. And I went to the stage manager and I said, you know, everyone's going to be here. I'm wondering if I could sing for them. If I, I'd like to sing for Belle while they're all here. Which now I look back, that was... It was pretty ballsy. I can't believe I did that, but I went and I asked if I could, if that I could do that. I must've been pretty passionate about it. Yeah. Um, and they said, yeah, like the worst thing they could do is say no, but they said yes. So at the Orpheum theater in San Francisco, I sang for Belle and I read all the scenes and, um, and I think they were quite surprised because they had only seen me as Babette. Um, and they actually offered me, then the Bell understudy was leaving the company and my contract was up and they said, would you want to come out and understudy Bell? Cause that spot's opening. Um, but I, I had other plans. I was about to get married. Um, so, and I actually told them that I didn't want to understudy the role that I wanted to play the role. Again, I don't know where I got that gumption. Um, <laughs> but once you understudy, sometimes when you understudy, you never leave that role. Sometimes you move into it, but sometimes you're too valuable in your understudy role and then you don't ever play the part. Um, I mean, you go on, but um, but I told them that I, I was really um, honored that they asked me, but, um, but I, would, I would rather play the role if, I, if that opportunity ever came up. And what happened next? You, your, your contract was concluding as Babette, and you said you were getting married. I was getting married, and I met my husband on the tour of Beauty and the Beast. He understudied the Beast and Gaston. Um, so yes, I owe, I owe my uh, my family to my experience with Disney and Beauty and the Beast. Um, uh, after that, I got married, and I. Um, Oh, I auditioned for Swing, for the musical Swing. Um, Laura Benanti was leaving the company and um, they needed a replacement and I auditioned and I had uh, my callback um, two days before my wedding. And the day before I was getting married, I found out that I booked it and was going to make my Broadway debut. Fantastic. It was such a fairy tale. It was, it was just amazing because I remember I was out shopping for some last minute things for the wedding and I got a call from my agent and I looked at the phone and I was like, my agent's calling me. And she said, you know, the only reason I would be calling you the day before your wedding is to tell you that you book swing. I was like, oh, so excited. And I'm rehearsal sure. started the day after I got home from my honeymoon. So wow. it was just perfect. 
I'm sure all of your wedding guests felt like that their gifts couldn't match the gift of getting oh. your Broadway gig, right? <laughs> uh, I was just on cloud nine. I mean, it was such it was such a happy, happy time. It was very exciting. It was it was really like, I mean, you know, I I haven't lived a I haven't lived a fairy tale life. Um, I mean, compared to 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 some, I'm sure. I mean, I've had my 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 ups and downs, but that time in particular was just magical. It was really really magical. And what was your husband Breck doing? Because you said he was understudying Gaston and the Beast when you were on the national tour. So what what was his path around this time? He well, kind of. Um, there was this something was something was in the air because we were I remember we were on the plane we were coming back from our honeymoon we honeymooned in Bermuda and when the plane touched down um you know when you're allowed to everyone's phones are going off because your messages are coming through and he was listening to his voicemail and he had received a call from Disney that said um the Beast Gaston cover is leaving the Broadway company we want to see if you're interested um, in replacing him. So I found out about my Broadway debut the day before the wedding, and he was, and he found out he was going to go into the Broadway company of beauty as we were coming home from our honeymoon. That's just absolute fate. <laughs> if I ever heard crazy? of, was he yeah, taking the role of Gaston at the time, or? I'm sorry. What was he taking the role of Gaston? He was understudying, no? understudying the Beast and Gaston. Okay, both roles. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. On Broadway, wow. Yes, yes. So we both made our Broadway debuts right near one another. So then it makes me wonder: Did either of you get to see one another perform? Given that you're yes. both performing, you did. Okay. We did. We got to see each other perform because um, he saw he saw me in swing before. He started beauty. And then after swing closed, I was able to see him in, in beauty. And I actually, um, after I did swing, um, I went into beauty for a short time playing Babette, uh, in New York. So we were in the New York company together. Um, I, uh, Pam Klinger, I, she left the show for, um, I don't know, a couple months. And I went in and played Babette um, while she was on a leave of absence. So that was exciting, super exciting. And what what was it like to perform with Breck on the same stage and Beating the Beast? I mean, you talked about it on the national tour context, but now you're on you're on Broadway. Oh, it was so fun. And we lived in um, we lived in the theater district at the time. We lived on 46th Street. So we just walked right over to the theater and you know, we were newlyweds and back in the show together. Um, yeah, it was wild and such a wonderful company. Beauty had, has, it, there's, I, I know I sit at theater, we say it's a family. Some shows, some shows, there's lots of drama offstage um, <laughs> as well as on stage. But the Beauty cast was really, really close um, we used to say a lot of it because a lot of the people in the show were really mature. It's not a whole bunch of young kids in the show, not a bunch of teenagers, um, some people in their 20s, but it's a, a mature cast. All of the objects are adults. Um, and 
Um, everyone just got along so well. It was a very, very happy building. Wow. It, it sounds like it was just a, an incredible time. I, I, so my only, I think I told you this a, a few years ago, but my only time seeing Beauty and the Beast on Broadway was I think prior to your time. It was my, when I saw it was August 99. Um, I was mm -hmm. still very young. So I think that preceded your time. Yeah, I was on the road. I was doing that on the national tour in 99. Mm -hmm. See, <laughs> only our paths had crossed then. Almost. Jennifer. So close. Two years later. So what, what did you most enjoy about being on Broadway? You had these aspirations for years growing up, but to be in swing, to be in Beauty and the Beast, what did it, what did it mean to you? Oh my gosh. It, it really just validated all of the hard work. Um, and I was so, I was so proud, um, that I accomplished it, um, because my parents sacrificed a lot for me to go to Boston Conservatory. You know, my dad was a blue collar worker. My mother was a nurse and the tuition was, um, very expensive to go there. And, you know, at the time my mom was working two jobs so that I, so that she could pay for college for me and my sister. Um, and, and eventually my brother, um, but, and also they really, they never questioned letting me go into the arts. I know there are, especially as an educator now, there are a lot of families who want their children to have a backup. Like what's your backup going to be? They were just all in and there weren't any guarantees, but they just had, they, my dad always said, we never want you to say what if. So he, they supported me. So I felt like it was something I was almost giving back to them as well. Um, and for me, I'll never, it, every time I would go to work, when I would put my hand on the stage door handle and walk in a stage door, walk in the Broadway stage door. I was grateful every single time I did it. It was never old to me. It never felt like, oh, um, I have to go to work or it's just a job. It was special to me every single time. Even if I was in a lousy mood or if I had had a hard day, just that I got to walk through a Broadway stage door was, was meaningful every single time. Gratitude is such an important trade in, in so many spaces. And it sounds like you really just lean fully into it once you had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And Belle, where does Belle enter the picture here? Belle comes into the picture after I did Babette. I had a couple of months where I was auditioning and wasn't working um, while Breck was still in, in the, Breck's my husband, in the Broadway company. And I um the bell's contract was up on the road and they called me and said you know you had auditioned for us it was about a year prior um would you come back in and we'd like to see you again for the role and i booked it i was so excited and i was so glad that i didn't take the understudy because i got to play the role yeah, so I, I came in and I sang for them again and did the scenes again and um, found out very quickly that I 
that I booked it. And I had a really short time to learn the role. I mean, I had been in the show, but to like, then it's you. I think we had 10 days. And wow. they were putting in a new, when I was going in to the Third National, they were also putting in a new LeFou, a new Papa, and a new Mrs. Potts and myself. So we, we auditioned for um, seven days in New York. And then went out to the traveled for one day. And then I think we had two days of a put in and uh, went, went into the show. Gosh, that's a, that's a tight timeline. It was, was fast. So was, was Breck still performing on Broadway when this happened? He was, yes. So we had never been apart. Um, and I opened as Bell in Boston, which was super special. And it was on Christmas Day. There was a show. My opening night was Christmas, Christmas night. Um, <laughs> and one of my um, one of my instructors um, from Boston came and saw me while I was there. It was really very cool, full circle moment. I feel like this would just be perfect for the something there scene with the oh, snowfall. Right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So Breck was in New York, and I was on the road. Yep. But we, I, when we, um, when I took the job, we, um, we kind of, we sat down and we talked about it and we said, we're never going to go longer than it was either three or four weeks. I think it was four weeks. You're never going to go longer than four weeks without seeing each other. So he would get, he would take, um, a couple of days off. Um, and they were understanding of, giving him the, the extra days because they knew he was coming to see me um, on the road. So he would come out and visit me about once a month. I'm glad you were able to find a way to account for both being in the arts and leaning into your craft and also honoring your relationship. What ways do you connect with? What's that? I said it wasn't easy, but we absolutely did. Yeah. In what ways do you feel like you connect with Belle's character or personality? Hmm. Now, when, the first thing I think of is um, is the change in me, the song that was added to the show. Um, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind is how she reflects uh, reflected on her journey and how much it changed her and how... Um, she grew from the hard stuff and that it never, uh, she never lost hope. Um, and I think, I think I identify with that part of, of part of her. Um, and also that she didn't, she didn't need rescuing. That's the other thing that I, that I loved about Belle, you know, she's smart and had a mind of her own um and was different i definitely identified with with her being different in the library scene you know she tells the beast you know i know what it's like to be different and how lonely that can be and that scene was always very very easy to play because growing up a kid in the theater and having red hair <laughs> that um which I, I loved later in life, but you know, I was very different growing up and I had my, my times of not fitting in. 
So I really identified with, with that, but I stayed, I think I stayed, I, I stayed pretty true to myself, um, like Bell did. Yeah. And that notion earlier, you're talking about how Bell is very emboldened. You've certainly demonstrated that in terms of advocating for yourself, uh, based on some of those scenarios that you mentioned. I think when I, when it's something that I'm passionate about, absolutely. Yeah. And now, and now I, I, um, there's nothing that wouldn't stop me from advocating for my kids too. It's funny. I, I was probably, it's hard to remember because it was a while ago, but probably very, very nervous to ask, you know, who am I to ask to sing for this? But I, I'm, you know, I got the gumption up to do it. Um, it's easier to do it for other people sometimes. Absolutely. Well, and like you said, you don't know if you don't try or, or mm -hmm. ask. What were some of your favorite lines to sing as Belle? Oh, oh, isn't this amazing? It's my favorite part because you'll see that one. <laughs> it's still in there. That's a good line. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, it holds up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also loved something sweet and almost kind. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. But now he's dear. That part I used to say, and now he's dear. I love to, I love that because he was. Because you, I'd look down and see him trying to, you know, they were trying to dress him up, and or he was, he was doing something that was kind of silly, but it was so dear. Walking, he was walking more like a, like a man. Yeah. He glanced this way. No, I won't even <laughs> try. <laughs> I will not try. I know oh, my lane. It's now. not that. <laughs> And Changing Me was awesome to sing. And they added that song because um, it's so powerful. Very, very, very powerful and reflective. Um, and Belle grows up. Boy, does she grow up um, during that during that song. She just discovers discovers things about herself. It's, it's a fantastic character within the context of the film and my recollections of the stage production where that... Um, just a dynamic um, individual and, and such a role model for for young women, but also I think for just young people in general in terms of honoring uh, your passions, but also what uh, who you care about and, and what's important to you. Like she's all focused about like your, what what do you value and, and how do you st stick up for that? Absolutely, well put. Were there any funny or unexpected moments that unfolded on stage as, and listeners cannot see this right now, but Jennifer, you just instantly put your hands on your face. So I feel like there are stories to be shared. Oh, the man who played Papa, played Bill's father, Jamie Ross, what an awesome human um, and hilarious. And one night, one night we, in the scene, before he goes to the fair, um, he rides his invention out. Maurice rides the invention out. And then Gaston and LeFou play a scene down stage right. And we're over on stage left. And we crouch down behind the invention to give focus to um, uh, Gaston and LeFou. And while we were crouched down there, we would we would normally just talk about our day. Hey, how are you? How was your day? Blah, 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 blah. And make a little small talk with each other while we were crouched down behind this invention. Well, it was time for us to stand up. 
And Maurice's character wears glasses and his microphone was attached to his glasses. That's where his mic was. His glasses got tangled up in my wig. <laughs> wow. While we were down there talking. So we were attached at the head. <laughs> That's a hairy situation if I ever heard one. <laughs> yes, indeed. Very well put. It was a hairy, it was a very hairy situation. We managed to like, I put my hand in there and I like ripped his, ripped his glasses off of my, out of my wig and we stood up and the two of us were in pieces. We could not, because we were very good friends too. And we were, we had to sing, um, we had to sing our duet. I can't think of the name of it at this moment because I'm laughing. Um, but we had to sing our, no matter what, this lovely song with Belle and her dad. It's a ballad, and all loving. And we're supposed to be looking at each other and connecting. And we could, we just couldn't look at each other. It was terrible. We were laughing. Oh, and then we finally got off. Finally, we got it together. We sang our song and I put him on the invention. He said, bye-bye, Belle. And the next time Belle sees Maurice is in the dungeon, she comes to the dungeon. She says, oh, she's fine. And she's like, oh, Papa. You know, I looked at him and I said, oh, Papa. And he just put his head down. He couldn't even look at me. He was still, he was still in pieces. So that's, that was probably, that was probably the funniest, being atta attached at our heads connected as we we're supposed to come up and play our scene was the was the audience and on, on the joke or were you able to conceal any of it we probably we concealed it better than we thought yes we we kept we kept it as professional as we possibly could i don't i don't i mean we sang but it was a little more clipped <laughs> the notes were not held out as long we just we just looked like we were having a really good time yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> One in France. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and how long were you on the national tour for as Belle? Um, I was out there almost a year because I, wow. um, I closed the national tour. I was the last Belle on the national tour. Really? Okay, I didn't realize mm -hmm. that. Okay. And this was yeah. the early 2000s, if I remember correctly? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then afterward, I went into the Broadway company. Um, I got home, I don't know how long I was home and the Bell understudy on Broadway was leaving uh, and they called and asked if I would understudy. And this time I did not say, no, I want the part. <laughs> I said, I, I would be honored to come in. And, and I got to play Bell many times on Broadway for different Bells that weren't there. Ash, I think Ashley Brown was the first one who was, who was, um, who was playing Bell when I, she was Bell when I came in. Yeah. And that would have been shortly before she was cast as Mary Poppins, because I know that immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She left Beauty to go do that. Yeah. I got to see her play Mary Poppins. Like it was right after it started. So this was what, early 07. And she was brilliant in that. Yeah. Wasn't she great? Yeah. So you saw it too, I take it. I did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's always fun to get to see your fellow performers and people that you know. Um, and just, you know, it's just such a nice community and especially when you get to know them backstage and she was so young and originating a role, it's just an exciting time in her life. That's and awesome. It was really nice. So is there like a special like secret bell club that only a few <laughs> people know about? <laughs> 
no, there's not. But there is a picture. I think um, there's a picture. There was a picture taken when when Beauty was closing because I was in it until it closed on Broadway. Um, a picture of Steve Blanchard, who was the Beast for many many years. I almost want to say ten, um, and of him and all of his bells. Uh, we all came out and were on the staircase. Um, uh, one of the, on one of the staircases and we're just it's Steve and all of his bells and one memory I do have because he played the role for so long and he and his wife Meredith Inglesby they were she was Babette and she married her beast um, and they also did um, um, Newsies together and they did the Newsies film together they're very good friends of Breck and ours on Breck and mine um, and um, oh shoot I lost my train of thought what was I saying uh, the picture with all the bells. The picture with all the bells. I don't know why I had Meredith come into my mind. I That's don't know. Okay. I've lost it. Sorry. That's all right. There's been lots of good memories. So, <laughs> so how much notice would you typically get as as Bell's understudy to that? You okay? It's your night, Jennifer. Um. Sometimes on I would get off of the subway and my phone would light up and say, "Oh, you're on tonight." And one thing that was interesting, I mean, and that, that would get my heart pumping because I was very comfortable in my, in my, um, my, uh, my own track. Um, but one thing that was different from the tour in the Broadway company is the stage was reversed. The, um, things were on the opposite sides. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. In the castle, like Belle's bed came on stage right on the road, but on stage left. So it wasn't like going into the exact same show and the castle was different because it was scaled down a bit on the, on the road. Um, so the set was, the set was different and it had been a year. It had been a year. Oh, a highlight I will say was when I, I, um, I had Breck and I, we had our first daughter while we were um, in the city. And um, so we had Ellie while we were doing beauty and while I was understudying and the first time I got called to go on, stage manager called me and I had only been in the show a week. And he said, well, she's out. You want to do it? And I was like, I hadn't done it in a year. I had one understudy rehearsal. And I thought, if I, if I say no, the nerves are going to build up. So I said, yes. I said, I'll do it. And when I got there, Ginny, my dresser, the bell dresser, she pulled out my costume and it was my costume from the road. And I hadn't had it on in it'd been a very long time and I had had a baby. So, but she went to put it on me and we both looked at each other and we crossed our fingers. I was like, okay, go ahead and zip it. And it zipped up. So that was, that was almost a, that was a victory in itself. That was as exciting as getting the call to go on that my dress fit. <laughs> it sounds like it was new and a bit alarming. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was new and a bit alarming. Mm -hmm. But it worked out, so that's yes, good. Yes, it did. That's awesome. I understand uh, a little bird told me that uh, your your paths crossed with Alan Menken at one point. Yes. Um, while I was Babette, um, the music director from the road, Brent Allen Huffman, was in New York, and he had worked with um, Alan Menken several times. And he was writing a new show. Um, I'm sure he has he had lots of shows he was working on, um, and he wanted me to come and sing for one of the parts. 
So um, in Brent's, um, Brent, <laughs> his um, apartment was right near the theater. So it was after a show, I went over there and it was just in this little apartment, Alan Menken and Brett Allen and myself. And we, um, I got to sing for him. It was, and it was kind of a really, um, it was more like a, uh, the character was not bell-like at all. She was pretty body and she had a little, she was kind of a sexy vampy character. Um, and she was big and belty and, uh, I'll never forget because Alan, at the time he knew that I was doing, I think it was when I was doing Babette, he looked at me and said, wait a minute, you were Belle? <laughs> you played Belle on the road? Um, it had to be after I played Belle because he was like, you're telling me you were a Belle? <laughs> so uh, I can put on two different, there's two different sides, I'd say, that I could definitely play. And see, so here I great. thought, here I thought Alan had a picture of all the bells on the wall so he could just keep track. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was really incredible meeting him. That was an exciting, I was so nervous. I was very nervous, but it was, it was, um, it was, it was awesome. And did your paths cross with him at any, any time thereafter, or was that the, the main memory that stands out to you? The closing of the show, he came on stage at the curtain call. Um, he came up with us uh, when the show closed we all boo-hoo-hooed. It was, it was a, it was a sad, sad moment. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I knew I'd remember. Okay. Steve, we're going back. Steve Blanchard moment. It goes to the last, the closing night of, Broad, of, of um, Beauty on Broadway. The Beast has a line um, after Belle leaves. He says, he's alone on the stage and he says, I'll never see her again. And that night he had been with he had played the beast to so many different bells between the women who had played the role and all of the understudies. So he was just, you know, he said that line every night, but this time when he said it, you could tell he could hardly get it out. He was so emotional because he knew he was never going to see her again. Oh, I know. I know. For someone who had been uh, enveloped in that role for so long, mm -hmm. you have such an attachment to to the character and and the people you're around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what other Disney related experiences stand out to you in thinking about your time post Beauty and the Beast on Broadway? Because mm -hmm. I know I understand that you've had a few other uh, crosses with the I mouse. Have. Yes, I've had two other Disney. Um... Disney connections, uh, experiences with Disney theatrical. I, um, when I was doing, when I was in beauty, that's when the Little Mermaid workshops were happening before it came to Broadway. And I was in the workshops. I got asked to do the workshops. And um, one of the big thrills, I was one, I wasn't Ariel. I was one of the sisters. But when Ariel's voice was taken, I um, was Ariel's voice. I did the, ah, like when her voice gets taken. And that was really exciting to get to, to get to do that and to be part of, yes, because that's where I, of course, that's where I saw Ellen making a lot more because he was in the room for, for all of the workshops during when we were workshopping the, the show. It was, and being part of, you know, being part of a Broadway workshop is really special. Some of them, because I've done, I've done some others. Um, 
you can kind of tell you're like, this is good. Or when you're really into it, sometimes you can't tell if something's good or not. Well, we knew after being part of, you know, being part of beauty and how great the, um, the little mermaid story was and all the music, we knew it was going to go to Broadway. So it was exciting to be part of that. A foundation of that. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another Disney experience I've had, I did a one woman show on Disney Cruise Line. Um, not for a long contract, but just for, I went out for uh, about two weeks and did, and did a show out there. Um, kind of chronicling it, my. It, is it perhaps this, what you're seeing on screen? Oh my goodness. Where in the world? Yes, I have my ways. Theater. I am showing Jennifer right now the personal navigator of her performance from August 2015 on Disney Cruise Line. Oh my goodness, that's me. There it is. A day at sea. Oh, yes. And it was formal nights. Yes, everyone was dressed up. Yes. I'll, I'll send that to you after if you don't have it. That'd be great. That'd be great. How did this opportunity come about to, to be? Because it, that's a that's a huge deal to be a headliner for a show on Disney Cruise Line, especially my understanding this is a, a European voyage. Mm -hmm. It was, and I um I took my mom with me, and we were gone for uh for fourteen days, um and it was a European um all through the Baltic. It was incredible. Um, I knew I'd heard from one of my other beauty people that they were having. Um, Disney uh, people who played roles in Disney um, on Broadway and either Broadway shows were having them come out as headliners. And um, so I reached out to Disney theatrical because I was wanting to do my own show and I had started putting one together and I reached out and said, I'd be interested in doing this. And they said, great. So um, they booked me to go out and it was, I had been wanting to, to do my own show and, and particularly on cruise line, on a cruise line, because I love, I love to cruise and nothing's better than Disney. And so it kind of married those things together. And I got to experience doing my own show and it was, it was quite a thrill. What was it like to engage with some of the passengers who were on this amazing European voyage and then to engage with someone like you who knows their way around a, a Disney related stage. Oh, every, it was great. We, I made some really nice friends and my mom and I kind of, everyone kind of got to know, they didn't really know who we were until after the show. So I was, you know, cause I was cruising. You're pretty much a passenger uh, when you're an entertainer, when you're a guest artist. Um, but after the show, then people definitely, it was like, oh, there's there's Belle and her mom. <laughs> um, but I got to uh, to meet some really wonderful people and and tell them about some of my some of some of the stories that I've told you here today. Yeah. Wow. And I know that one of the best gifts of of music and being in theater is that you're storytellers and you're conveying a character and experience. And there's also a transferable skill as an educator in fostering that love of storytelling and, and making memories for other people. Can you tell me about your role in fostering the love of musical theater for the next generation of stars as, as an instructor at uh, William Peace? I 
I'm very passionate about about teaching, and I love um, being able to pass on um, all of the things that I learned while I was in New York, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, um, and all of the successes as well. And um, having the thing that's the most important that I try and convey is how it, how pivotal it is for them to uh, be authentic when they are on stage. Um, because when I say, you know, when people go to the theater, they go, they don't go to see perfection. You know, it's not about seeing some like this perfect picture. They want to see real feelings, real emotions, have a, a real human experience. They go to see a private moment in public. Like if you would take the lid off of someone's house and look in, you get to see, you know, the chaos or, you know, if you took the lid off my house right now, it sure doesn't look like, you know, Belle's castle inside. There are book bags laying everywhere and, you know, the dogs and all the things. And so I just try and I want them to, to number one, as actors to try not to be perfect because uh, I say a perfect performance is a dead performance because it's just planned out and nothing new and spontaneous can happen. Um, and just for them to try and get in touch with their authentic emotions and, and those feelings. And I really love um, seeing how they grow and giving them a safe space. The other thing I'd like to do is really um, let every let all the students know that I'm the biggest cheerleader. I'm not there with my arms crossed saying, okay, now show me what you got. You know, I'm, I'm there saying, okay, I can't wait to see what you've got. I can't wait to see what you're, where you're starting and then create a space where they're not afraid to, not afraid to fail, not afraid to go for it and splat, you know? Because that's when you learn the most. Because, oh, that didn't work. Now let me just see what will work. Um, so I, um, that's, that's part of how I, 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 uh, I teach and try and inspire. I definitely think it's very palpable that that just comes through as you talk. And, and what I hear about you in, in the classroom, that's, that's pretty cool that you're kind of continuing the, the chain of, of inspiring uh, an appreciation of the arts and musical theater. It sounds like you're very supportive to your students. Yes, I love it. I really do. Nothing is more exciting than when they have successes. I'm, I'm such a proud, proud mama when they're at the senior recitals, when they're out there. Oh, I'm so proud. It's exciting. Awesome. Well, I'd like to wrap up. I ask all of my guests some fun Disney opinion related questions and there aren't any right answers. Um, at least I won't say that it's a right answer or not, but okay. I might I might have my own interpretations. Um, I'm going to ask you three music-related questions and then a random question. So uh, the first one is, what Disney soundtrack did you listen to most while growing up? Hmm. What Disney soundtrack? I would I'm, I wouldn't say that it was a a soundtrack like on the stereo but 
Mary Poppins, for sure. Mary Poppins. So I remember we had the tape and I would watch it over and over and over. Yes. You're just preparing to play uh, Maria and Sound of Music, right? You're just trying <laughs> right. to get all the Julie Julie Andrews vibes, like filter right. through the screen. Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> Absolutely. What uh, is there a Disney song that has recently become stuck in your head, an earworm that you cannot forget? You'll be in my heart. It's in my head right now. Yes, and it has to do with someone you know very well that was uh, that had brought it up to me. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's always, that's, uh, that's one of my favorite songs um, for many reasons. Uh, what Disney film do you feel has the most underrated music? Ooh. So it can't be Beauty and the Beast because I no. would say people know and appreciate that. Oh, I love Tangled. I love Tangled. I love Mother Knows Best. Mother. Bob I was going to say the... you'd be perfect for that. Oh I my think. God. Mother knows. Yes, I I just love, I, I yes, and I thought Mandy Moore was delightful, delightful as Rapunzel. I think I would say that that yes, yes, Tangled. Did you ever cross paths with Donna Murphy, who played Mother Gothel? No, oh. I haven't. Hmm. I haven't. Would love to. If I did, I would be like, oh, you're such a good villain. Yeah, they just they, they just were perfect in casting her mm -hmm. for that character yeah mm -hmm. and hilarious yeah mean and hilarious yeah I, yeah i love that musical number so much <laughs> uh, and finally this is your random question so i typically ask those three to to my newer guests um so your random question is is there a disney character you would have loved to play on Broadway or a national tour, any Disney theatrical context, but never had the chance to play that role. Hmm. I would love to, I mean, I would love to have played Ariel, but it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't really, I mean, it, it just, it's such a great song. And, um, but there wasn't one that I was like clamoring for that it didn't get to because it was pretty much, it was very satisfied. I, I got to, I got to do the one. You real, it's hard to beat Belle. It really it is. It really is. It really is. The big yellow dress. I mean, doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Well, does she have three costume changes in that production? Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Because yes. she has the snow dress and then the blue and white dress. Yes. Oh, and the pink dress is so pretty in the library. Yeah. The, the oh, that pink. one. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that one. Okay. Yeah. That's a super, super, super quick change too. Yeah, there'd be four people doing that change on you. Yeah, because wow. you have to change wig too, all of it. Yeah, quick, quick, quick. Mm -hmm. yeah. Takes an yeah. army. It's it, that's that's the other thing. The people backstage. It's not without without the amazing um, crew, nothing would happen on stage. So it's not just about the performers. They make us look good. Well, you have to carry it to the finish line, Jennifer. It's been delightful talking with you, learning about your career and. Uh, really taking a, a trip through memory lane, I imagine, for you during this conversation as well. Oh, thank you so much. It has been so much fun. I'm just so appreciative, grateful. Thank you very much.
And thank you again to Jennifer Schrader-Williams for joining me on this episode of Notably Disney. It was so much fun to talk with Jennifer and learn more about her career and the various ways in which she participated in the Walt Disney Company from the theme parks to the Broadway stage on Disney Cruise Line and so much more. I hope you enjoyed getting some perspective into those really incredible stories as well. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.